Welcome back to the podcast, Love, Transform, Restore. This is your host, Charles Prince. I stand before the crowd, listening for my name. They shall be crucified, this man is who to blame. Knowing what I deserve, they free me from my chains. I turn to see his wretched face. I did not know it was his grace. It's you free me from the chains. It's you took away my pain. And now I call. Thank you all again for being back on this podcast and pray everyone's been having a good week so far. I apologize for not getting this podcast out on Tuesday. been having a lot of technical problems with my microphone, which started on Sunday during our live stream of worship. Hopefully they're all fixed and they're all have been taken care of. So hopefully there's no uh, disruptions or anything that will take place during the recording of this podcast. Um, today we're going to be talking about a topic that... Um, I'm sure might seem a little inappropriate to talk about right now as far as everything going on with the economy and the impacts the impacts the economy is having due to the whole COVID-19 pandemic that we're still dealing with. Um, but I think this is something we still need to talk about. And for those of you that are under financial uh, duress, um, distress, we are praying for you and pray that your situation would improve over time. Um, don't know when, but just want to say to keep trusting in God and to lean on your brothers and sisters in Christ for your needs and for everything that you need in life or just to get through the day. So keep those those thoughts in mind. So this is kind of more for those that are, that have either access to money or either have good enough jobs that are not being impacted too much by the pandemic or for Lord's willing, if things get back to normal and money starts coming in, regardless, this is, these are lessons that we all can use, regardless of our financial situation currently. And that is asking the question, what about money? What does the Bible say about money? When you ask someone, what does the Bible say about money? One of the first things people will say, and this is for anyone with any kind of biblical knowledge, they'll rush over to first, uh, first Timothy chapter six and will quote the first part of verse 10. And actually, they'll misquote the first part of verse 10. Most people don't even know it's in First Timothy or even knowing what chapter and verse or any of that. But so many people, when they think about Bible and the money and money, they'll think about this passage here in First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, but they'll misquote it. They'll say, Money is the root of all evil. Let's say money is the root of all evil. And that often gets misquoted. And that's the reason why it's not uncommon to hear certain Christians that will try to denounce money or denounce possessions. Or if they feel like a Christian has too much or 
just uh, living a life that is uh, very flashy, so to speak. Um, that's the reason why you'll have some people that will call them out and say, no, you're not supposed to love money. You're not supposed to do that. But the, they will misquote it, not realizing that it actually says the love of money is a root. And depending, I believe, using the King James Version, it will say the love of money is the root of all evil. Um, for me, using the ESV, it says is a root of all kinds of evil. And I think this is a better translation for that. It's the root of all kinds of evil. And I like that because um, it gives the idea that there's not always a money motivation to every evil that's being done. But the love of money is certainly a motivator to a number of crimes and things that are just pure evil being done. And we have to realize what the rest of this verse says here. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Which we're going to read verses 3 through 10 to kind of get an idea of the context here that's taking place with this uh, passage. So we're going to start at verse 3 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit. And understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved of the truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And so we have to realize the love of money here. You know, this we have to realize with this term here, this is not saying that we should despise money, that we should want to um you know that saying we should denounce money no we need money to live in this world we need money to pay mortgage or rent depending on your circumstance or situation we need money for food um we need money just to live in this world so having money is not a bad thing even having lots of money isn't a bad thing um we see that uh we see that Joseph of Arimathea, he was an he was a disciple of Jesus. Um, Jesus was buried in his tomb, and Joseph of Arimathea was a very wealthy individual. So there were disciples of Christ who were wealthy, and so this does not say that money is a bad thing. But looking at the whole context of this, what are we understanding? We're starting to see that. Paul is making mention that there are people who are solely seeking materialistic blessings in Christ. And he's encouraging and urging people to be um, to have the mindset of being content. And this is not to say that we can't have the best stuff or we should be... Um, living like we're poor but at the same time i think it's very important that we live within our means in which i'm not dave ramsey so we're not getting into that today but 
we have to realize the importance of being content in Christ. And like I said, there's nothing wrong in wanting new things or wanting to replace things. And in I think we as humans have a right to have needs and have wants. But when those needs and wants is causing us to put those things first or to put our love of money first, you know, we need to make more money. You know, we sacrifice worship time to make that money. And I'm not talking about the people that have to work on Sundays and whatnot and have, you know, this is something that's been going on for years. I'm not talking about those individuals. I'm mainly referencing people that, May had had the time to worship on Sunday, but chose to work the extra hours to get money that they do not need. And so that's something that I think we have to keep in mind when realizing that the contentment we have in Christ is very important. And these people that are in Christ just solely to seek more gain, that seek an earthly gain and not realizing, as Paul's mentioned in this passage, that we have great gain and that gain is true godliness you know um godliness with contentment is great gain as we read in verse six and so we must realize that money is not is not evil within itself but the love of money is definitely um a root of all kinds of evil and so we have to realize that uh, money is important but it should not take king and money should not be the thing that we worship in our lives. And sometimes we fall in that trap of doing that without realizing it. But next we're going to look at a couple of passages to reinforce the idea about um, keep you know keeping our love of God and keeping the things that we um, keeping the things that we sorry about the okay um, keeping the things that we um love about money and check you know I, I do love as far as when I say love money like I love having money I love being able to buy things to do things to travel places with money so I definitely what you know I definitely have a certain affection to have more money but is when that affection becomes that is what I primarily work for in life. That's when we have to be careful because um, we've mentioned this passage so many times in Matthew 6 and verse 24 about how we cannot serve two masters. We're going to serve, you know, we're going to serve God or we're going to serve money and we cannot serve both. And there are many who unsuspectingly and subconsciously don't realize that they are indeed serving money and putting that love of money above all else. Matter of fact, making that the only thing that they really love. But we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 13 and we're going to look at verse 5. Hebrews 13 and verse 5 helps reinforce the idea mentioned in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's something we have to keep in mind. And this reinforces the idea that we should not have that affection of money so much that it consumes us. That that is all we think about. That is all we want to do. That's all we ever think about. And that's all that our goals are set towards. No, a life in Christ is one that causes us to be content with what we have. It causes us to... 
put our wants in check too. Because I want to revise something I said. There's nothing wrong in wanting stuff. Nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong in getting the stuff we want. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, and I'm not, I don't ever want to suggest or give the idea that I think that wanting or getting what we want is a bad thing. However, Christ and the love we have for Christ does help us put our wants in check. Um, let me give me an example. There's times where I have given money to the homeless. And there's times where I had the exact amount of money to buy something and I see someone who needs it more so I'll give them maybe a five or a ten out of my money and now I no longer have the money I need to buy that thing but I felt that I've done something better with that money now I want to make a couple things clear I'm not one I'm not trying to brag two I don't do this all the time threes you know times I have a selfish attitude I'm think to myself, no, I'm getting that thing I want, so I'll keep it in my pocket. So I don't want people to take what I just mentioned as um, that I'm trying to portray myself as perfect because I don't help every time. I don't. But I just wanted to use that as an example because if you are in Christ, your wants will be put in check because you will see needs, whether it be someone's needs of, some, of a stranger you don't know or needs within the church. And so we have to be careful, not only our love of money, but just realize that Jesus Christ, being in Jesus Christ, does help put our wants in check and in perspective. Um, if you still have your Bibles... Um, we're going to be going to the Old Testament for the remainder of this podcast. And we're going to be starting off in Proverbs we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13, and we're going to look at verse 11. Proverbs 13 and verse 11. And this is a very important passage that I want us to talk about because I get asked this question quite a bit from people, and especially from Christians, and them and asking about the lottery and or about gambling. And so... I wanted to look at this verse here, and this is Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. This is a very important passage, a very important verse to remember, because God's wisdom is something else. And when I say something else, I mean, that's not meaning in a derogatory term or derogatory way. This is just saying it's something else as in that it goes far above our comprehension. Because you really think any human could have came up with something like this and say, hey, listen, you know, wealth gained hastily will dwindle. You know, most of us humans, wealth gained hastily is what most of our lives are based on is getting rich quick. We don't always you know i'm not you know there's times where we want to get rich quick but we don't do the rich the quick rich uh get rich quick schemes try saying that a hundred times fast <laughs> we don't do the schemes and stuff but we wouldn't complain if a large amount of money came to us or if we have won the lottery or if we had took a chance gambling and boom you know we got all this money but i find it interesting that god in his wisdom knew 
that those who gain waste, uh, who have gained wealth hastily, will dwindle it. And I think this is a prime example of man's wisdom being so below God's wisdom. And I want to give you a perfect example of this. If you go on YouTube, go to YouTube and type in um, lottery winners. Or type in the lottery winners and those that's lost everything. Or some kind, any kind of combination that has to do deal with the lottery. Type it in and you will find so many lists of people who've hit the big jackpot and not only dwindled all their money, but they also had gotten into worse situations than before. I don't remember who said this. I don't remember if it was a financial advisor or somebody, or it was either that or a billionaire. Someone had said this, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to get the quote wrong, but matter of fact, to be on the safe side, I'm going to look that up because this quote is too important for me to paraphrase because it is uh, something that I think we need to keep in mind and especially something we need to keep um, keep uh, in our mind to teach our children. You know, our children, you know, are very unprepared to in dealing with finances. And I think we need, to, it does not say everyone is. I know a lot of parents are doing a great job in doing that and I commend them. And I hope I would do that when we have, uh, me and Chrissy have children one day. Um, all right. I'm trying to see if I can find this quote. You give someone, if you give a mouse a cookie, that keeps popping up. <laughs> if I can't find it, I'll paraphrase it for the time being. But, okay, I keep seeing stuff. I really wish I remembered a quote because all the stuff that keeps coming up is telling you... Um, what to do if you're going to give a million dollars. I don't even have a million dollars to give. <laughs> so the, um, but the premise of the quote here is pretty much saying that if you give a rich person a million dollars and a poor person a million dollars, the rich man will still be rich and the poor man will still be poor because money does not change attitude and money does not change financial sense. And that is a really true statement. And that statement is so true when you look at lottery um, uh, lottery winners. And there are some, and this, there have been some exceptions to the rule. There are, have been some people that have put their money and, uh, you know, give it to a financial advisor or put it into a savings account or some kind of account to let it grow and whatnot. But... You know, the thing that's pretty crazy is that I remember reading a statistic one time, don't have the source on me and whatnot, but the statistic, the statistic was saying that your chances of dying to get to the store to buy a lottery ticket is actually higher than you winning the big jackpot on the lottery. So, so this is pretty much saying that the chances are pretty slim. 
And especially you have to realize that most of these companies and states that have lotteries, they are set up in a way to maximize profit that, you know, for the state and for the company. And so we have to realize that they're not going to be willing and wanting to have a lot of winners. And so with that in mind, you know, we got to keep in mind that scripture is telling the truth here. You know, whoever gathers little by little will increase it, you know, and thinking about um, savings accounts and stuff like that. But we're not here to discuss all these accounts. We're this morning we want to get a, the point across that God knew when he was talking about when he said that those who gain weight, gain wealth. I want to keep saying weight, gain wealth um, quickly will dwindle it, which, you know, I kind of wish it was weight. Be nice to, um, any weight I gain, I can dwindle it like that. <laughs> but, you know, keep, uh, keep it in mind with what we've been talking about. Let us look, stay in the book of Proverbs. We're going to look at chapter 22 and look at verse seven. Now, this one is probably one of the most important verses in the entire book of Proverbs. And this is not to take away from the other verses. There are a number of verses that are absolutely amazing in Proverbs. Even just in this chapter alone, there is a number of verses that we need to keep in mind in our Christian life. But as we look, we must realize Proverbs 22 verse 7 is one truth that so many, I would dare say 90% of us, do not know or have forgotten. Proverbs 22 verse 7 the rich rules over the poor. The borrower is slave to the lender. I want to read that last part again. The borrower, the one who borrows, is the slave of the lender. Which is very true. Back when I was working at the Ninth Street Congregation in Deming, I was teaching the teenage class back in 2015, 2016 timeframe. And we started a Bible class series talking about finances because I made a lot of financial mistakes when I left the house. I make a lot of financial mistakes now. <laughs> but I was mainly thinking about how much I did not know when I had left the house. And so I wanted to give them a small sense of what the Bible teaches about money and give some practical advice on how to handle money. And I talked about this verse and because many of them had not realized that how much you are enslaved to the borrower, the, you know, not to the borrower, but to the lender. You know, some of them were a bit taken back when I told them that when you buy a car, if you get it, you know, buy it through financing, you don't own that car until it's paid off. So they were kind of shocked when they found out that they don't own the house until that's paid off. And that there's just so much things in life that we think and we have the illusion that we own, but we actually do not own. Because if we fail to make a payment on that house or on the car, guess what? The bank can take it. And so we have to realize that those of us who borrow, you know, and I've borrowed before, we are slave to the lender. And there are some things that we do need to take stuff out for, like, and especially if the purchase is worth it, getting a mortgage is a worth it is a, you know, is something that's worth it because it, you're buying something that is going to increase in value over the years, depending on where you live and what kind of house you have. And so 
And I'm not, and again, I'm not trying to give a financial class here, but I think the thing we have to realize is that debt is a dangerous thing and it can rule over us like nothing else can. And so we have to be careful and realize that we, you know, those, you know, the borrower is slave to the lender. And finally, I want to look at one last verse and that will be in Ecclesiastes uh, next book over, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. I want us to keep in mind something here. This is King Solomon writing Ecclesiastes. Not only one of the wisest men in the Bible, but one who had incredible amounts of wealth, which a lot of this was incurred on him because um, Solomon had asked for wisdom instead of riches when God told him that you can ask for anything of me. And he asked for wisdom. So this is someone who has had it all. And he is telling us he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. That is true. You get money back from, we'll just use the stimulus package because that's something that's been uh, popular and everyone knows about that and most everyone had received one. You get a certain amount of money back from the stimulus package. How many of us, when we got money back, was the first thing that, that we thought to our minds is, this is nice, but can they have given a little bit more? Can I have gotten a little bit more? Or is this really it? And this is not to say that thinking that automatically means, oh man, you love money and you are, you know, following that category in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. I'm not saying that. But we also have to realize that sometimes we get so wrapped up in wanting money, needing money, and thinking so much about money that when we do get money, we are not satisfied with what we have because once we have it, we want to get more and we want to get more. And that's why we have to be careful about that love of money being the root of all kinds of evil as talked there in 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 as we referenced multiple times already. We have to know that, yes, money's a necessity. Yes, we want money, but we cannot let it. We cannot let it rule our lives. And what I find interesting, he says, not only not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. So he's trying to tell them that even those that are rich, and this is not true of every rich person. Um, I know some people and you know, within the church that make a significant amount of money. And at least from what I can see on the outside, they are individuals that are pretty content. And there are a lot of rich people that don't even dress and look like they're rich. So this is not trying to put them all in one category, but we must realize that generally speaking, those who are in love with their wealth and are in love with money will never be satisfied. So when they die and go to the grave, they will 
not have accomplished nothing because they cannot take money with them. As we just read in that passage in 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 10, that we have not brought anything into this world and we cannot take anything out. So if we can't take anything out, then why do we focus so much on money, on the one thing that will not satisfy us? What will satisfy us? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who satisfies. He's the one that gives us a satisfaction, not only at the end of our lives, but at the beginning of the next, when we go into on that day of judgment and beyond, he gives us the satisfaction and the ultimate conclusion and just the, the best the world can offer. So we must look for the spiritual instead of focusing on the physical. And again, keep in mind, Matthew 6, verse 24, um, you know, a person cannot serve two masters. They'll love the one, hate the other, you know, and you have to realize that who is it going to be? It's going to be God or is it going to be money? And again, just to reemphasize, not saying that we shouldn't have money. We don't need, not saying we don't need money, not saying we shouldn't want money, but that should not be our number one priority. Matthew 6, tells us firmly to seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, I appreciate you all listening to this podcast. Sorry again for being late on the podcast. Um, hopefully won't have m- many more of these problems in the future. But again, I hope you all have a good rest of your day, good rest of your week, and to God be the glory. It's you, it's you took over.